The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sky Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen and Kyle. How's it going, Kyle? It's going, man. A little bummed after the uh, time traveler. Yeah, that but, is true. Uh, we're back. We're ready to rock. I've got a fucking sick story to talk to everybody about. Hell yeah! Weird. We got another vertical plane book, dude. You guys are dope. We're just sitting here recording. Interesting. And um, the book from. Two weeks ago, the Ghost in the Machine episode is the vertical plane. People are sending us uh, online copies. It is fucking dope. This one's from the Libro, dog. I haven't heard from him in forever. What's up, my guy? Hell yeah. It just came in as we're recording, so shout out to the Libro. What is up, my guy? It's been a minute, dog. That's awesome. Hope all is well. Fucking OG right there. Hope you're taking care of all the paranormal books. That's fucking dope. OG. Um, First off, thanks for everybody tuning in with us today coming to hang out and thanks for sharing with all your weird friends um we got to keep keep the wheels a moving keep it rolling so please continue doing what you're doing you guys are all dope as i stated in the last episode as we're recording tonight we passed two hundred fifty thousand downloads which is fucking unbelievable it is awesome can't can't even wrap my brain around it but if you'd like to hang out with us, join us on any of our social medias, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Just come over and hang out. We try to get back to you guys as much as we can. Life's been kind of wild lately, so just bear with us. We're working on it. Um, come and hang out. Leave memes, weird stories and weird articles and crazy shit you come across. Share it with us. I'll pop it in the bank for a Roll the Dice and Patreon, and we will go from there. If you have a paranormal encounter you'd like to share with us, Kyle's going to tell you how. You can record yourself on your smart device. Shoot it over to the email, which is going to be a holoskypodcast at gmail.com. You can write it out, do the same. You can hit us up on social medias. And like I stated last week, we are going to be getting a phone that you guys are going to be able to contact. 
that's going to be dope. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really do hope that people call in with candid interviews because that's just going to be awesome. Like I'm, I'm so excited for that. It's going to be pretty sick. Yeah, and it gives a way for you guys to be involved, and we don't have to set up interviews and go through that whole process. You just call us and talk to us. We'll record it. And I don't know. I think it's going to be gold. I think it's a gold idea. Yeah. I think it's money. I do too. It's great. It's fucking money. That's uh, what Hollis Guy translates to. Fucking money. Fucking money. If you'd like to support the show, there are a ton of ways you can do that. First and foremost, uh, by tuning in and sharing us around. Share us on social media. Tell your friends, word of mouth, whatever you can do to keep the grassroots movement going. We are so appreciative of you guys. You've been doing the fucking legwork, and it shows. I mean, 250000 is nothing to scoff sure. at. And we love you guys for it. We have a Venmo. If you'd like to donate, throw a couple bucks in that for these delicious little <sighs> nectars of the gods here. Love them. We'll buy some monsters. Uh, thanks for everybody throwing in over there. You guys are fucking dope. We also have a Patreon you can go check it out, see what tiers you like. If you'd like some extra content, we play Roll the Dice, where we basically just talk a bunch of shit the whole time. We got some stickers. I got some more of those made that I should be getting within a couple weeks. So They turned out pretty dope. They're going to be pretty cool. Basquatch and a Bigfoot alien. I shared it on the I socials. Like it. I like it a lot. So you can pick a tier and just sign up for that if there's something you like there. You can also... Jump over to your podcatcher and leave us a five-star rating and review. Helps us become more visible in the world of podcasts. And when people search up dope-ass shit, we'll be the first one to pop up. I wish that was a genre. Dope-ass shit. Yeah, I do. Yeah, same. We would be number one. (laughs) The dopest asses shit. Yes. If you leave us a five-star rating and review and we come across it, we will gladly shout you out on a future episode. Today's five-star rating and review is brought to us by our friend Buck4001. He says, digging it, five stars. Just found you from the confessionals. Kick him back with your content library. Thanks, boys. Three thumbs up emojis. Dang. Buck, three thumbs up emojis back. Dog. Yeah, people don't even have three thumbs. Well, some of them might. That's true. Thanks for taking the time to hop over there and leave us that sweet little rating and review. We appreciate it a ton. And shout out to Confessionals for and Tony for being dope because he's Tony and he's dope. Yeah. So yeah, I second that. To. Today's listener experience of the day comes to us from our friend Aaron. Hey guys, how's it going? Hope you're doing well. My name is uh, Aaron, and um, yeah, I just started. Uh, really listening to the podcast a few weeks ago, sort of working my way back through the catalog. Um, and I'm enjoying what I'm hearing. I really, really, uh, really like the, uh, really like the podcast, like the topics, like the, uh, the, the dynamic between you two and the banter and, and all of that good fun stuff. Um, really, really enjoy the amount of research that you put into, uh, each of the topics that you cover. It's really refreshing. And, uh, yeah, just keep it coming. But, um, I guess, uh, I should start by saying that I have always been into the paranormal and it's been like 
for a while it was strictly just the paranormal, like ghosts, whatever, because I grew up, uh, I grew up on that stuff. I grew up in a, and I mean, and I grew up in a house that was, you know, for all intents and purposes haunted and not just me, myself, my sister and my mother, but multiple people, you know, friends and, uh, things like that from, from both me and my sister had experiences in that house. So, um, you know, and I, and I grew up on unsolved mysteries and, and, and sightings and things of that nature, you know? So, uh, so yeah, I've, I've, I've really been, really been into this for, for a really long time. And then, you know, naturally ghost hunters comes out whenever I'm a teenager and stuff like that. So, um, you know, whenever, whenever I'm, uh, whenever I'm a young teen, I, I give the ghost hunting thing a shot and, you know, and it's in my own house. <laughs> I just, I just, walk around with like a voice recorder every now and again I'd get friends to tag along and we would you know see what we could see see what we could catch and we got some unexplainable voices things like that on 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 recordings that are unfortunately all gone now because that was a such I'm, I'm 33 now so that was you know whenever I was around 15 16 stuff like that um but at that time, you know, trying to, to put together something like that at such a young age, uh, no one really was taking it super seriously except for me, you know, because I was living it every day. Um, it just never really panned out. So for a while I fell out of, uh, of the, the, the interest, I guess, in the paranormal until, um, until, actually pretty recently I had started watching Hellier, which completely, completely reignited that, that interest in this field. And also more along the lines of the high strangeness side of things. It's not just ghosts anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's everything. It's all encompassing and it's really, uh, it's really cool. But, um, there were things that were still happening to me even whenever I sort of fell out of interest, but there's one episode in particular that I was listening to, uh, the Montauk project part one, uh, by you guys, where in the beginning you told the story of someone that, you know, uh, they had wrote about how they were driving and they turned a corner and they saw this, suddenly they saw this bright light and then it, you know, vanished as, as quickly as it appeared, which was, I have a similar story, which is really interesting to me because it's not exactly to the T, uh, you know, similar. I didn't see an outline of a figure or anything like that, but, um, I was, this was probably about 2014, 2015, something like that, probably 2014. But, um, my girlfriend at the time, me and her mother, we worked at the same grocery store. So I was riding into work with her one morning, like we normally did, and we just carpooled, and, um, you know, it's early, it's probably about 5.30 in the morning, and we were driving towards the highway, um, and we have to go over an overpass, you know, to get down onto the feeder road, onto the actual highway, the interstate, to get to where we were going, but um, we, we'd taken this route, you know, uh, I don't know, a lot of times, but this time, when we got to the top, when we got to the top of the bridge, the top of the overpass, the car lit up 
on the inside with this really bright white light and 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 it was it was just for a split second it, it lit the entire car up and it's hard to tell if it came from the out it's almost like it originated from inside the cab of the car and um i was riding in the passenger seat and i was just kind of staring down at my phone and the and whenever the entire car lit up I had immediately sort of looked out of the, the, the corner of my eye toward the direction I thought it was coming from, which was the driver's side. And, um, and my girlfriend's mother, uh, she kind of, you know, side eye glanced at me. And then we both looked at each other and she said, did you see that? I was like, yeah. And she said, what was that? I said, I have no idea. I have no idea what that was. And we just kind of shrugged it off, put our heads forward, and drove the rest of the way to work and never talked about it again. And that's the strange thing about this kind of thing. And as far as I know, there was no missing time, nothing like that, but it was just very, very strange. Just a bright white light at the top of this bridge that never happens. Um, there's no, you know, cars whose lights are high enough to reach the top of the bridge to light the entire car up like that so it was very strange but um what what's even more strange is that i've heard this kind of thing happening to people a number of times you know where they they, they experience something strange and they might talk about it in the moment but after that they just never talk about it again and i never really realized until now that we never really talked about it again. You know, I'd only recently started telling people this story because I've gotten back into this topic. Um, so it's, it, I've heard in, in other podcasts, you know, the, this, this similar sort of situation where something strange happens and it's like, you know, you, you never talk about it again for, for whatever reason. But that, uh, that's just one of, you know, many sort of experiences that I have had in my life, but I, I just thought it was interesting, you know, the whole bright white light situation, uh, and that story sounded very familiar to me. So I figured I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd leave you guys this message and, um, yeah, I, I, um, I'd be very interested in, I've been recently very interested in, in, potentially maybe starting a podcast to talk about some of these things and to talk about some of these things with other people who have had similar experiences, you know, um, I mean, I know there's a sea of them, but, um, I don't know. I just think it'd be very interesting, you know, to, to provide that sort of space for people to talk about. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm really thankful that you guys do that, you know, uh, regardless of whether or not they write in or they send a voice message like this. So you give guy, you give people the, the opportunity to tell their stories in a, in a safe, uh, space, you know? So I really appreciate it. You guys keep it up and, um, yeah, keep on keeping on. And, uh, I'll talk to you all later. Bye. First off, I want to say thanks, Aaron, for taking the time to record your message and send it in. Uh, welcome to the show. It sounds like you're pretty fresh and enjoying yourself, and I love hearing that. Yeah. It is freaking dope. It is awesome. And as we were sitting here listening to you talk, we both automatically assumed you were already a podcaster. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this dude's got a voice for yeah. podcast. Like you, you have a good voice for it, man. You should totally do it. Uh, 
if you need any help with anything, just reach out to us. Yeah, like we give will, us a shout out, dog. Yeah, we'll uh, for sure shout us a holla. Try to aid you along your journey there as best we can. Uh, just just remember, if you do do it, just don't give up. Yep, stay consistent. It'll be slow, but stay consistent and keep your head up. Mm-hmm. And we were also talking when you when you said you lived in a haunted house your entire time or for a long time. <laughs> And you were like, yeah, I, so I started investigating my own house. Steve's like, yeah, That's that was that mistake. was your first mistake right there, dude. <laughs> Never investigate your and own I, house. And I agree fully because um, it made me think of my wife in our current house because she still to this day, she still keeps having weird things happen to her. Now, it doesn't really happen to me. I've had the few here and there, but nothing like what she's experiencing. And it, I t- like she was talking to me about it the other day. And it borderline makes me feel like she might have something going on and not the house. No, that's crazy. So, you know, if it, if it keeps evolving, I may have her call in and talk about it. If, if the opportunity arises, it would be hard because she has the kids at home, but it's interesting. And I'm with Steve on that one. There's no way I would investigate my own home because like you stated how like these things happen and you kind of ignore them. I feel like in that case, in investigating your own home, ignorance is bliss. It's just like, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to keep chalking this up to bullshit that I'm being over paranoid. But you do make a valid point in that, in that a lot of people do, whether it's they, they shrug it off or they're almost pre-programmed to forget. Like I talked about a possible implant in my chest that time. And the first thing I fucking did was throw it right down the drain. Yep. That's what everybody so, does. And, and yeah, Steve's right. Everybody does it. When we talked to Tony about that, he said that he had somebody that did the exact same thing. So I, I read that. It on is a, weird. It's bizarre. In an article or a forum one time that that's, it's kind of its own self-destruct mechanism. Right. In those kind of things. It totally makes sense. Now, as far as the white light goes, holy shit, I don't know. Like initially my brain went UFO. But the fact that you said the light or possibly originated within the like car. It emanated from within the car. Like yeah, it, I mean, the, there's there's a plethora of of things that could create a bright white light. I mean, you have the potential for ball lightning, but you never did see a spherical shape in the car. You just said it lit up like crazy. And the fact that you have your, was it your girlfriend's mother? driving yeah and she acknowledged it yeah she acknowledges it it is weird so yeah dude it's bizarre like it i don't know and if it didn't make you feel any type of way because if it made you feel like super happy i would initially be like well maybe it was a guardian angel or something on those lines i don't know man but my gut goes alien but my good my gut (laughs) always goes goes alien so (laughs) Like there's that. Like I don't know, man. Like it's it's a bizarre story to say the least. It is. It is weird. I don't know. And it's like, and I I I'm more I'm so picturing like a like a UFO overhead beaming a light into the yeah, car. Yeah, 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 for sure. Up, but for sure. But he said it. It felt like it originated from inside the car. And what what strikes me even more uh, is that it like in the grand scheme of things. And I'm not trying to like dismiss you by any means. But in the grand scheme of things, it's it's like a minute experience. But at the same time, this is one that like 
drilled into your brain. Yeah, it's so profound. Yeah. Because it's something that's not supposed to be happening. Exactly, exactly. Like it's, it, it, like it, I don't know, it leads more validation to your story, if, in my opinion. The fact that this one really stuck out to you. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, natural I'm occurrences. Like I'm dumbfounded. Lightning could essentially light up, light up the cab of a true, car. True, true. But if there's not a storm, yeah, if there's not anything going on that he recollects, then and then there was pretty much cancels itself out. I don't know if it was the same it one he's been, talking about. It couldn't have been some kind of like ocular uh, distortion or something. You know, like how sometimes yeah, your eyes play trick one. on you. You got you get flashes in the side of your eyes or something because yeah. his girlfriend's mother substantiates the claim. It's all exactly. the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, dog. Well, I mean. And I don't know if he's talking about the same situation or not, but remember uh, the guy who wrote us, and I think he was driving his 1970 Chevelle, saw the bright light in the road, and then I think that's what he was referencing. I could be wrong, but maybe it did have something to do with the spirit. I don't know. Could Yeah, it could be. I don't don't know. That's weird. (laughs) It could have been a fucking time anomaly for all we know. I wonder if there's anything... If there's anything tied into that specific section of road you were on, if you remember, if there is some sort of paranormal history there, if there's uh, tragic history there, if if that that's some avenue you could look into, that right. there's possible um, records of something going on there. I don't know, dog. It's weird. It is weird, man. Um, but yeah. Thanks for taking the time to uh, call in. Please do so with the other stories you'd mentioned. You've been in the paranormal all the time. You had some more odd uh, occurrences. Feel free to send those over. Like I said, got a voice for podcasting. It was for sure, easy, man. easy to listen to, well-spoken. If you uh, decide to get that off the ground, shout us out. We'll uh, do what we can to Do help. what we can, yeah. We'll share you on the show and for sure. push if you need some extra guys to come on and talk about weird shit. Just We're holla. here. We're here. So from there, Kyle's got his research together. Oh yeah, that's a good on one. Some f- robot aliens, from what he was saying. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Right up our alley. It is. So, uh, yeah, robot aliens. Um, <laughs> it is. It is formerly known as the Cisco Grove Encounter. When he said Cisco, it made me think of the Thong song. My man. So I hope that's what was My playing. In, I hope that's what was playing in the background. When it, totally was. Up. it totally was. It totally was. I am a child. I'm not far mm-hmm. off. So this uh, happened in 1964. There were three buddies, and they decided they were going to go for a little hunting trip. You know, and it, it's worth noting that these three buddies, they all happened to work for an Aerojet company. Now, this company had defense contracts and worked with the government. All three of the men experienced something on this this hunting trip. It's also it's also worth noting that at this time it was highly illegal for these men to let UFO reports get public. It was part of the Espionage Act and also the Air Force Regulation 200-2 stated that all UFO reports were classified and could not be released to the public, which has something to do with why it took so long for this story to officially come out. But back to the three men and their hunting trip, 
their hunting trip would officially begin on Friday, September 4th in 1964. But little did they know that for one of them, this hunting trip would be that of nightmares. And it almost, the roles almost flipped where he was actually the one that ended up being hunted. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, it's, dude, it's a bizarre story. So the the main person here where it would at, with, with who it happened to was a man named by the name Donald Shrum. Earlier in that day, Donald and two co-workers took off for their sweet hunting trip. They drove about 70 miles along the old road, Route 40, which links Sacramento with Reno, Nevada. They pulled into Cisco Grove in Plaquemine County. The buddies went ahead, loaded up all their gear, and headed into the forest. So they set up camp about three miles south of Route 40, near one of the three small lakes in the area. You know, like like any guys, you're stoked. You're stoked just to get out, go hang out in the woods, talk about dude shit, do dude shit, and just be with your guys. And just not fuck with alien robots. And and work. Because like, these guys are you know work buddies, so they that's all they know together is work. But now they have, have the opportunity to kind of cut loose, hang out. Just chill. Just chill. So they're, they're ecstatic, you know. So these guys go ahead, or they decided to go ahead and prepare for the evening hunt. They all fanned out, but kept in, within shouting distance of each other. Well, I guess the way that it's worded was that the two guys, the two friends, they kind of started going down into this canyon area, whereas Donald was on a bit of a ridge. And I think the the friends were like, hey, Donald, why don't you come down here with us? Just make your way around that ridge and, and drop down. So Donald's like, all right, cool. He starts walking the ridge. After a short time, the ridge turned into a sheer cliff to where he couldn't go down. So nope. Donald has to turn around and head back. But by this time, the sun starts to go down. So Donald, he's trying to make his way back to them or the campsite because they're both in the kind of the general direction that he needs to go. And it, get, it starts getting to the point where it's too dark for him to move around in the woods. He starts tripping over shit, and he's like, this is this just isn't worth it. And then, not to mention the area that they're in, you know, it, it has natural predators that could harm him. So he's like, all right, forget it. I'm just, it's getting too dark to see. I'm going to try to find a safe place to go ahead and make camp and wait for the morning. And Donald of the three was the most experienced of the hunters. He had the knowledge and know-how to to set up camp somewhere to make it through the night with no issues. He'd been hunting for a long time. So Donald's kind of looking around, and he, he's able to locate a tree that was it was fairly large, and it didn't have much around it. And I guess at the time, hunters have been known to do this, where instead of staying on the ground where predators could get them, they decided that they would climb the tree and kind of make a little nest up there for them to spend the night in, which makes sense. You know, it gets you off the ground. You ain't sleeping and a bear comes up and bites you in the head. Yeah, I'm not trying to get eaten by a bear. That's what I'm saying. Hell no. So 
around 7 p.m., Donald had successfully made his way up into the tree and found a place to sit and rest. As he's hanging out there, a few hours passed, and around 9 p.m., Donald started to notice something strange in the sky. He noticed a light just north of his location, and it was moving from east to west. At first, he thought it was a flashlight or a lantern or something, but then he noted that the light itself actually, as it's going from east to west, it bops up and over a tree. Like, Hmm. it dodges the tree. So he's like, what the fuck? He's like, so it's getting dark. I'm out here by myself. I'm separated from my buddies. So maybe my buddies went and got into contact with the forestry department and they have a helicopter out looking for me. That's what that's where his mind went. Which I'm I guarantee everybody knows exactly where this is going. Donald. It's never a fucking helicopter. Right. But the other men, in fact, had made it back to camp. And they decided that since Donald was a super experienced hunter, he would know how to to hold the night up, you know, and just like be, be all right. Be fine. Yeah. And I mean, on one hand, you don't blame him because it is pitch black out there. And Donald obviously has the know how to, to survive. So they're just like, forget it. We're just going to, we'll look for him in the morning. Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, I mean it's understandable. Yeah, just to just to wait out the evening. You're not gonna you're not doing anybody any good if you go out and get lost in the fucking dark. Exactly. But ironically enough, now when these guys are making their way back, they also noted a strange light in the sky. But neither of them really paid much attention to. It. I think the one guy thought that maybe it was just a a meteor coming into the atmosphere or something. Like he just kind of chalked it off to that, which was like we were just talking about a lot of people do. So this, one of the other hunters also saw the light. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. So they, they didn't pay much attention to it until the next morning when they actually found Donald. That's when it all comes together. So going back to Donald, Donald's, you know, he's up in the tree and he's seeing what he thought was a helicopter looking for him. So what'd he do? The one thing you should never do. He decides, well, shit, if they're looking for me, I don't want to miss an opportunity to be found. So he climbs down from the tree and he starts gathering dry brush and twigs and stuff. And he makes three signal fires to, to get their attention. He also starts yelling and waving his arms. God damn it. It's well, a, it's exactly the same. Every time. Yeah. Every I'm time. I'm trying to look up the fishermen that were out canoeing or kayaking and fishing and the the Pascagoula abduction. Yeah. They're out there. They see the light. What do they start doing? Shining a light at it. Flash in their fucking flashlight yep. at it. If I remember right, it's the same abduction. Like, just don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, asking for it. All of a sudden, the light stops, and it starts coming right towards him. Great. You did it, Donald. Yeah. He said, all of a sudden. You did exactly what you wanted. He's like, the light stopped, and all of a sudden, just rapidly started moving towards him. I would would throw myself on the signal fire. Yeah. (laughs) I would set myself on fire. The aliens would be like. Fuck this guy. Yeah. We're getting the hell out of yep. here. 
So as the object approaches, Donald starts to get real worried because there was no sound that was coming from the object. He said at first he couldn't tell the size and shape of the craft because it was it was a it was dark. I mean the craft itself was almost pitch black. But he could tell that it was like blotting out the stars behind it. It finally gets close enough and he notices that the cigar or the the object is actually cigar shaped. So at this point, Donald is basically where anyone would be. Fuck this. He threw his bow back up into the tree and began to climb it the tree again. Oh man. He was you know, being on a hunting trip, he was all decked out in camo from head to toe. He had the hat, the jacket, the pants, the whole nine. He's just going up to make himself as least noticeable yep. as possible. And well, it's too late, Donald. You've already lit and lit fucking signal fires. Yeah, literally. And yelled at the UFO to come find you. Yep. So he gets back up in that tree and he does not move a muscle. He just sits there as quiet as a mouse, not moving, hoping that they're not going to find him up in that tree. So he's sitting there and he's watching this, what he, what he later refers to as the mothership. He's checking it out and it's just kind of, it's just hanging out, you know? And then all of a sudden he saw this light flash and, a, and another dark object broke away from the ship. Now, Donald didn't think much of it because he wanted to keep his attention on, what is relevant it's right in front of him this big mothership so he's just dead focused on it when all of a sudden a smaller ship flies right past him and lands about a half a mile up the ridge from him so now he's like shit like what do i do and not long after this he starts to hear crashing coming through the brush down the mountainside right towards him yeah, he said this mothership was gigantic. Yeah, he said it was huge. Like 14-story building. Yeah. That's f- big. Giant. That's big. Can you imagine something that size rushing right at you? No, I'd be terrified. Absolutely terrified. So, <clears throat> all of a sudden, the noise stops. And Donald sees these short, stocky, humanoid people approaching him from the northwest. He said they they stood about five feet tall, and they were in this tight-fitting, light-colored uniform, almost like a white, silvery color. Donald said that whatever it was was wearing a tight-fitted hood or a helmet, and the face was dark and featureless. All he could see were two large eyes almost like someone was wearing welder's goggles. Not long after, another creature appeared, and it looked just utterly identical to the first one. These And these two beings, they were roughly 100 feet away, Donald estimated, and he thought that he kind of pulled it off, being able to hide up in the tree. Because these two beings started to investigate the surroundings. And Donald theorized that what they were doing was more or less collecting samples of things. Because they seemed really, like, just overly interested in this bush. They were focusing on the bush, kind of picking at it and what have you. 
And I think a couple times they even were walking over to the rocks. Hey, Hollow Colt, the weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tecovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tecovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's re- it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Looking at the rocks, like investigating like just, just just straight up samples rocks. or studying. And he, he thought that's what they were doing, is that they were just out collecting samples of shit to take back. Because he's like, they looked, their body language was almost like a fascination. They were just completely enthralled with taking samples of stuff. And, you know, Donald where is where anybody would be. He's, he's fucking terrified. And instantly his mind began to wonder, like, what do I do? And it kind of comes back as to previous. Well, since I'm hearing all all this camo and I'm up in this tree, maybe if I just don't move, they won't see me. Well, all of a sudden, the creatures made their way to the base of the tree and looked straight up and were staring right at him. So Don's like, great. Fucking great. Now they know exactly, they know I'm here. They know exactly where I'm at. And Don said that he started hearing this, these like cooing noises, almost like what an owl would make. And when this happens, the beings would do something different. So Donald's mind went to, well, maybe it was the mothership contacting these beings and giving them orders because every time he'd hear it, they would do something different. More. <laughs> it's weird to tie it into. Last week's encounter with Burton about the owls. Right. And shit. Right. And then it, later on, which I don't think I really go into it, but that 
terrifies Don for the re- almost the rest of his life. Anytime he would he- hear an owl, he would automatically like PTSD. Cord- yes, yeah, bad. Um, then believe it or not, more and more of these beings started to show up. Donald estimated that at any given time there was at least five to six of them walking around. Of he, the robots? No, of the humanoid ones. Uh, we haven't even got to the robots yet. Yeah. But, and he's like, I couldn't really verify because it, it, like they would come out and then a couple of them would go back into the woods and then come back out. So he wasn't sure if he was just seeing the same ones, but he was almost utterly convinced that there was at least five to six of them. And it seemed like they were just gathering samples. They were all just looking at the land. None of the, and oddly enough, none of the other ones, the new ones that came would ever approach the tree. It was only the original two that found them. Hmm. And then what happens next just horrifies Don beyond belief. And it's something that gave him nightmares for basically the rest of his life. I jumped the gun on the robot thing. Didn't I? Yeah. All of a sudden you looking at them. Yeah. It reminds me of the iron giant. <laughs> That's what everybody says, what everybody's calling them. Well, so Don notices two large eyes that look like flashlights glaring at him. Hell no. And he said that, its eyes were of like a reddish orange fire or orange color, like fire would be. And this being had like a hinge type jaw and the head looked like it was metal. Other than that, it was about the same as the first set of beings that were surrounding him. The, the, the shape and height of it was in relevance to the, the other beings, but the one, uh, the head was different. And Don said that, this being's movements were more mechanical in nature, which is why he, uh, well, one of the reasons why he calls it a robot because it moved like a robot. And then its head looks like iron giant. So this robot being walks right up to the, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't investigate anything. It walks right up to the tree that Donald was in. The there's one thing here that Don makes a note of because the robot, when it approached, it noticed the remnants of the signal fires that Don had made. Now, at this point, they were more or less just like embers burning out. But the robot went out of its way to walk over to this fire and wipe the embers from the rocks that it was on. And Don made a mental note of this thinking, well, maybe these things are scared of fire. That's what I, it's almost like, so I'm playing this out in my head here as you're telling the story. He's up there, the little regular beings come out, do the investigating, see Dawn, they bring the rest of their party out to check it out, check out the surroundings, keep their investigation going, but then they bring out these guys, who in my head I feel like are probably the same beings, but this is kind of like, to me this seems like body armor. Yeah, almost as like a, an Iron Man type thing. As opposed thing. to it being a robot, it seems like these biological oh, dude, very beings well could be. in armor, they send them out to test, to check out 
the hazardous shit. The first thing, like, as soon as oh, you told yeah. me, the first thing they do is go to the fire. Whereas if the biological being would have went over there, he would have got burnt. Yeah. But him in the suit of armor just goes over there and is like, yep. this ain't Why, that's us. a good point. I didn't think about that when I was reading it. And and the fact that they send them out to do the dirty work. Yeah. Is yep. it's what it's it's almost like their their defenders or their enforcers. No, that that that, so that makes <clears throat> shitloads of sense. So after after that robot wipes the embers out, it goes right back to the base of the tree and just basically joins the other two and stares up at Don. Yeah, it's like they were they were testing out if any of this shit's going to hurt them. Yep. Well, something new happens here. Now, try to run with me here. So Don's sitting in the tree on a perch on a limb. And the way I take it is that there had to have been a, like two limbs close by because Don is in a, in a pine tree. So if you don't know the way pine trees limbs are, they are relatively close and it's like in a crown, yeah. you know? So he's sitting on there and I guess Don has his bow across his lap, like on two limbs. Like it, he made like a desk out of it where he could lean on it. So this, this robot being moves its hand up to its jaw and as it does this, a white vapor starts to come out of its mouth. Great. Which began to move up to the tree right towards dawn. If there's one thing I hate worse than aliens, it's robot aliens. Exactly. If there's one thing I hate worse than robot aliens, it's robot aliens that vape. <laughs> Valid point. So. Let the hate mail roll it. <laughs> Don noted that. This vapor had no smell, but began to affect him right away. It started causing started causing him to gasp for air. He and he actually ended up blacking out within seconds of inhaling the vapor. And he said the only thing that saved him from falling out of that tree in that instance was the fact that he had the bow across him. Oh, because he, he leaned, over. he'd slumped over onto the bow. That's kind of reminds me of the Mad Gasser too. A little bit. Later on, retelling the story, Donald said, you know, I was just planning on staying up up here, being all peaceful and shit, but when they did that, boy, oh boy, was it game on. I knew I was in a fight for my life. Because in Donald's head, they were trying to knock him out and have a perfect get, human specimen. Get him out of the tree. That's That was where his mind immediately went. Yep, get him out of the tree. Yep. So at this point, it's around 11 o'clock and, you know, 11 o'clock, midnight, somewhere in that range. Whenever Donald would come out of this, this knockout from the gas, he said he would start having dry heaves. And he just, he felt disoriented and felt like shit. So Donald switched his game plan as well and went to war with he decides you know what i'm gonna go with to war with these things let's fucking get it boy. let's dance so don takes a good look at the two beings and the robot under the tree he was pretty confident that his arrows could take out the humanoid beings because they didn't look like they had any armor on but at the same time don didn't necessarily want to harm those two because technically, those two didn't do shit to him. Mm, understandable. Yeah, like I kind of I see where his logic is on this because understandable. At, at this point, he doesn't even know what the fuck it is in front of him. He could essentially be shooting people. Yeah, that'd be 
awful. And then not to mention, he's like, they didn't do anything to me. It was this metal motherfucker over here that started messing with me. So you're the one I'm going to take my wrath out on. It's an eye for an eye. So, I mean, what's Don do? He uses what he's got. Let's get it, boy. He raises his bow, draws an arrow, fires right at the robot. How's that work out, Don? Hits him right in the chest. He sees sparks, and it it pushed, it knocked the the robot back a couple feet. But that was about it. the The robot backed up a little bit. Bringing bows and arrows to a robot fight, Don. Well, when they were hunting, it was bow season. (laughs) No gun season. I'm sure he wasn't mentally prepared. Well, he wasn't prepared to fight. No, not at all. And so with that, the, all the beings, they moved back about 20 feet. The humanoid beings, on the other hand, they just got out of there, which leads more credence to them being the, uh, the robots or defender type. Yes. I think it's a suit of armor dog. I, I am with you. Now that you say that, I totally am with you. So, Don, he just, he's like, fuck it. And he just starts winging more arrows at the robot. Just shoots every one of, every every robot, or every arrow that he has, he shoots it at this robot. They all basically do the same thing. And now Don's out of arrows. Once he's out of arrows, the robot walks right back to the base of the tree. Don, remembering that the robot moved the embers of fire away, decided to, or he decided to take a book of matches and light it on the entire book on fire and throw it down at the robot. When he does this, sure as shit, the robot backs away immediately. And it just so happens that when Don went on hunts, he would just basically load a pocket full of books of matches. He would just take a shitload with him in case he were to get separated and needed to make a fire, et cetera, et cetera. So seeing that it scared the the robot being, he started lighting everything he could on fire. He's like, I took my hat off. I lit that on fire. I threw it at him. I, and when I started doing this, the robots would, the robot would move farther away than like with the arrows. Motherfucker, I'd be burning that whole forest down. Oh, he was trying. Just let it rip. He was trying. Let it eat, dog. And ironically... Once, once, like, once the hat went out, it smothered out. The robot would move back in. Oh, fuck. That would be so disheartening. Yep, you'd just be sitting there, like, please catch these leaves <laughs> on fire. Please catch these leaves on fire. Please catch this foliage on fire. Yep. So Don's like, I need to start a fire, and starts looking for brush on the ground, so he could start some type of small fire mm-hmm. that'll kind of sustain and burn long enough to keep him away, but. Ironically enough, the, the tree that he chose didn't have much around it because he's basically out in the middle of the desert for it. the most part. I mean, maybe not. No, he's probably not out in the desert, but he's out in an area. I, well, and then that tree was on on a cliff. You know, I guess it was the only thing around. Oh, I just read ahead and it gave me goosebumps. Um, <laughs> so Don's like, well, I don't have any. I don't have much to catch on fire, so fuck it. I'm just going to try to catch them on fire. He's, he, dude, he pulls everything out. He pulls money from his wallet, his hunting license. 
He starts ripping apart his jacket. He's lighting everything he has on fire, just throwing it down at him. Well, eventually, as you can imagine, Don runs out of pretty much everything to burn. All he's got left on him is his boots, socks, a pair of pants, and a t-shirt. That's all dude's got left. So he's like, whatever. He he climbs to the top of this tree as high as he can possibly get, and he takes his belt, and he ties himself to the trunk of the tree just in case they start gassing him again and he passes out. He good didn't want idea. to fall out of the tree. Good it, idea. It, it is a good idea for sure. Shortly after this, I guess the one robot's like, well, I'm going to need some backup because another robot one joins the fight here. It, you know, it, it comes to the base of the tree. It does what everybody knows it's going to do. Gasses him, knocks him out. But this time, this time they changed their tactics again. Because when Don wakes up from this one, he notices that the two little hu- humanoid That's fuckers, what I just read that gave me goosebumps. They start trying to climb the tree. And because the first set of limbs is a little ways off the ground, they actually start trying to boost each other up into this tree. How terrifying is that? Dude, it would suck. He has no arrows to shoot now. He has nothing to catch on fire. He's tied himself to the top of that tree, and now they're trying to come up after him. Oh, my God. And they, they only do it no. when he's passed out. Hell so, no. like I said, the, the first set of limbs were apparently about 10 to 12 feet off the ground. They're trying to boost each other up into this. Well, Don doesn't really know what else to do, so he starts shaking the tree. He's just, He's just, just moving grasping it. his straws yeah, and trying to save moving himself. Moving it as much as he can. And dude, oddly enough, once once he did this, they would they would come down. They wouldn't even they would stop trying to climb it. Jesus hell with this. And it almost makes sense because they're they they seem they at least seem unfamiliar with the terrain and everything there because they were so enthralled with it trying to collect samples. And by him doing this, they don't know if it's something that's gonna hurt them. So they just back away. Well, then they restart process. Don gets gassed. They try to climb up the tree again. And it's this this whole repeating process. So when Don wakes up from another gassing, he he starts breaking limbs and shit and throwing it down out. He this, this now he's Garrett grasping at straws. He's breaking limbs off, throwing it down. He pulls change out of his pocket and he's throwing pocket change at him. That'd be so awful. Anything. Just a last-ditch effort to keep them the fuck away Anything, from Anything, dude. Now, a little side note here. When... No, I'll say it after after I get through here. But, it, uh, so, you know, at this point, <laughs> fucking Don, dude, he is out of everything. He's been fighting him off all night, essentially. All night. Don starts hearing coyotes off in the distance. So he starts trying to mimic coyote house in hopes the aliens would think that he's calling for backup. (laughs) This is how desperate Don's getting all night long. I hope it works, Don all night long. The robots keep doing that. Just hitting him with the gas. He wakes up. The aliens be trying to climb, start shaking the tree. It's this whole constant back and forth. And it gets so bad that Don at one point thinks about undoing his belt and jumping out of the tree 
off the cliff to his death. Like he gets oh that fuck like that so consumed with it, which man, I don't, I don't know. Like I, on one hand, I don't blame him because that dude that has to be fucking. Not only is it terrifying, but it's it's so taxing on your body, physically and mentally. Well, I mean, judging by the two outcomes, at least throwing yourself off a cliff. You know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, for that's, sure. That's the devil you know. Exactly. Letting them take you. You have no clue what's going to happen. That could be worse than dying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, just like in, you're you're convinced at this point that you are legitimately fighting for your life. And the, I would think that the, being in that high stress situation for so long has to be so taxing on your body oh, yeah. and your mind. Be exhausted. Oh, dude. Especially after, if you think about the day he had, he's he was spent hiking through the woods, yep. hunting, all like physical exerting things. Yep. And now you're spending all night when you should be resting, yep. fighting off robots. Yep. But now fortunately for Don, Don had a wife and children at home. And when that thought of jumping off the cliff hit his head, they they also hit his head, and he's like, nope, I got to make it through the night. I've got to get back to my wife so I can give her a kiss and a hug and see my children again. Like I've got to get through this. Well, Don notices that finally, off in the distance, the sky just barely starts to lighten. Daylight's coming. He knows it's coming. It's right around the corner. Well, I think in a last-ditch effort, these robots... They moved, they decided to move really close together and they were facing each other. And Don said, all of a sudden, these bright arcs of light started coming out of each of the robots. And they were like, it was almost like it'd come out of one, go on the next, then come back and just do this whole back and forth thing. And it was almost like supercharging their ability because Don said that then all of a sudden they released that gas together. And it was so thick that he couldn't even see the robots anymore. That's what I just read. As Don approached, yet more humanoids arrived on the scene and produced a large volume of the strange smoke that made him pass out. Yep. And Can you imagine looking down and like, you fought him off this whole time and the sun's coming up. You're like, finally, finally, the sun's coming up. My buddies will be looking for me. And then more robots circle around the tree yep. and start mass gassing. Oh, dude. But... I don't, I don't know if it was the daylight. I think that most likely the daylight is probably what saved him. Because after this, when Don woke up from this one, which this is, dude, his fucking thought process on this one is scary because when he wakes up, all the beings are gone from this mass gassing. Don, which I didn't think about when I was reading it until I actually got to this part, Don was freaking out when he woke up. Because Don started thinking, what if they got to me while I was knocked out and they did what they needed to do to me and then they put me back? Which they could have. They very well could have. He was fucking terrified of that. But I guess apparently later on in life, Don actually goes and gets regressed and <sighs> does all types of shit. Brave and man. He, he comes to the conclusion in his mind that no, they didn't get me. I was the one that got away. Brave man. Very brave man. I couldn't do it. With I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. But 
when Don gets down from the tree, he noticed small childlike footprints all around the tree. Like these <laughs> so little fucking creepy. These little beings have been walking around. And another thing that he noted, you remember all the coins that he threw down at him? Yeah. All the coins were gone. So they robbed his ass. They took they took all of his money. They said, not only did we harass you all night, now we're going to go to the diner and get breakfast on ooh, you. Ooh. But they theorized that what better way to collect information on a civilization? Because we do it today. We'll collect yeah, old coins. Yeah, yeah. You know, people were like, there's dates, sense. there's phrases, there's letters. Historical figures. Historical figures. There's all types of information on those coins. That totally makes sense. Yep. Now, Don. Creepy. Yes. Don was actually able to recover his canteen, his bow, and his and some of his arrows. Don started to make his way back to camp at this point, but he was so exhausted, he actually just collapsed and passed out. Now, shortly, apparently, now I don't know how you would justify this, but shortly after that, Don woke to hearing someone whistling. So Don starts to yell, and his buddy ends up running over and finds him. And his buddy was kind of confused because he runs up on on Don, and Don is just in a T-shirt and pants. And that night, it got down to 32 degrees. That's weird. So his buddy is like, what in the, why are you not wearing all of your gear? And he was even more confused because Don kept saying, I, I would be I would have been just fine if they would have left me alone. Like he just keeps repeating that. That's so terrifying. But he doesn't elaborate on it. Like his buddy's like, What are you talking about? And he doesn't elaborate. Can you get hypothermia in freezing weather with just his t shirt and I'm sure. I wonder how he avoided that. Maybe his adrenaline the whole night. That's all I could think of. <clears throat> but when Don now, it did take effects on him because when Don got home, like his wife was a good old lady and she notices Don just walking right up to the, the door. She's waiting for him and she's like, he didn't even have to say anything. I could see on his face. She's like, he looked like he had walked hundreds of miles. He had bags underneath his eyes. He looked terrible. And he ends up coming in, doesn't say hi to her, doesn't hug her, doesn't kiss her. He sits down on the couch and goes, I have, I have something to tell you. And as he retold this story to his wife, she's like, he was sitting there and his hands were fucking shaking because he was so scared. Now, in the book, and the book does a really good job that I, I, I got. Because they also reference other experiences with these robots and this gas. And long story short, they end up setting up a contact with the Air Force. And the Air Force wants to interview Don. So Don and his wife meet up with these guys. And his wife noticed that this this house they went to was off base. And the house was very... She called it like a studio house because there was no personalized pictures. It was pretty barren. She's like, it was just sus. And then not to mention the lead guy interviewing, his name was Cloud, which she found weird. What a weird name. Yeah, beings that 
they're talking about UFOs in the sky, and this guy's name is Cloud. Or la- later on, I think his, la- his last name, quote-unquote, would be McCloud. Anyways, but they started asking questions, you know. Duncan and, McCloud or the Clan McCloud, there can be only one. I yeah, wonder. yeah, that's it. But it makes sense. It yeah. brings everything together. Right. So they start asking questions, and Don's like, hey, I shot one of them, and I've got the arrow to prove it. It's got metal or melted metal on it. And the metal that is on the arrow actually shines in like rainbow colors when it's in the sun. The tip of the arrow is actually bent to about 45 degrees. They asked it, you know, naturally, as you can see where this is going, the military is like, well, can we, can we take that arrow and and get it analyzed? And Don's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, let me know what you find. So he gives it up to him. Sure. Help me out. In addition to this, Psych. in addition to this, he gives them a highly detailed map of the exact spot where all of this happened. So, as you can imagine, the military claims that you never gave us an arrow and that you only gave us the arrow ahead, and we sent that off to a college for examination, but the college lost it. <laughs> of course. Right. And then... So Don's like, what the fuck ever, man. Later on, Don and a couple of his buddies and I think his son end up going back to the, and I think it was like three weeks later or something like that. Like it was time relevant. And Don is like, literally the site is picked clean. And he's like, I can literally see where they took rakes and raked the ground. To cover up all the footprints so and shit. Crazy. There was nothing left from the encounter. The only thing that Don was able to find on the ground were cigarette butts and like smoke cigars. So he thinks that the military flew in in a helicopter. A bunch of the military guys got out, cleaned the, cleaned the site, and then left. Why would they leave their fucking cigarette butts there? I don't know. They're going to rake the site full of shit. But they also tried to convince Don... That it was kids out in the woods playing, uh, pulling a trick uh, on him. That makes more sense. Um, they also tried to com- convince him that it was a military exercise. And that then the the sense. last one that they actually ended up pinning on him in their official report, I believe, was that it was a psychological thing. It was all made up in his head. <laughs> that's their that's their final go to of anything. Yeah, you just it's it's hysteria. It's but, hysteria. It is a weather balloon, it is an iceberg rubbing against the ocean floor, or it is hysteria. (laughs) So, the kicker here is that, well, Don didn't actually recover all of his arrows from the fight. Don remembered shooting that that robot when it was a couple, you know, 20 feet away or whatever. It hit the robot and it, it jetted off into the brush. Well, Don knew roundabout where to go look, and it was actually inside a bush. And, he, and his son was like, the military most likely wouldn't have known. Like, if you would have been just skimming over it, you would have thought it was just a twig from the branch or from the bush. But Don was able to retrieve that last arrow. And his son was there Fucking to corroborate the story. So that would be the gist of the Cisco Grove UFO encounter. AKA Robot Aliens. And give me a second, and I will pull up the book. 
it is a decent book. And like I said, they do a pretty good job corroborating, like running down similar experiences with these robot entities yeah, and I'd stuff like that. I'd be interested like in looking into, I know I have a whole bunch of humanoid encounter books that I need to go through and see how many of these robot entities fall in place. Yeah, the book is actually called Aliens in the Forest, the Cisco Grove UFO Encounter. I have never heard of that encounter before. Dude, it's it's pretty, I know I've heard it, and it it is written by No Taurus and Ruben Urady. Something like that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was a good book. I enjoyed it. And I know I've heard, I thought, initially, I thought Steve was the one that kind of gave me the the brief rundown on this a long time ago. I don't not remember where I heard the story from them. And I actually know that another podcast that I used to listen to called the What If Podcast, they did an episode on it as well. Um, But I don't know, man. It would be... If I couldn't imagine being in Don's shoes, like, it would suck so bad. But he made, for the most part, he made all the aside from signaling it, he made all the right moves. Like he tied himself to that tree because he knew they were probably going to keep gassing him. Smart, dude. That was the best decision he made all night long. Hella smart. Best decision he made. That's probably what saved him, because Don Don was convinced that. They were going to take him and probably never, never bring him back. That yeah, he was just going to be a terrifying. specimen for them to essentially dissect and then and investigate. That was terrifying. Oh, dude, it it would suck super bad, super bad. Yeah, I don't like that at all. No, not very much fun. But yeah, that it was, was an interesting case, dude. It's crazy. It's a crazy one. And I. Man, see, part of me thinks, part of me wonders that since the military made it out there so quick, was this, was this, was it an, a military encounter? Were these, was this some kind of weird? I don't know. Or maybe they, maybe it's not maybe. the first, first run in they've had with them. Yeah, I don't know. I do think the beings are, are the same. I, I agree. And I feel like one of them is. And being that you were wearing that type of armor, you, your movements might very well be more mechanical. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it might be heavier than what they Cause I was, are used to. I was thinking when Iron Giant, I'm like, it looks like a suit of armor. And that's how that's how I would think a, a, someone wearing a suit of armor would move. Yeah, for sure. Very deliberately. For sure. And the fact that it was the one checking out all of the things that could possibly hurt them. The only thing that's got me fucked up is you'd think you'd send him out first. To check out the area. Unless they weren't initially... Well, I don't know. Yeah, unless unless they didn't see a threat until they got out there and they saw the fire and they're like, oh shit, maybe this is worse off than we think it is. Right. Bring out big dude to check it out. Or maybe they, maybe those two little investigators, scientist style, were like, man, we need to take that specimen with us. We're going to need some help. Yeah. Yeah. That's a possibility. Bring out the... The big guns. The dudes. Yeah, that was dope. That was was a dope encounter. Pretty fucking interesting. I wonder, I would like to see if anything was brought up on his regression. I don't know. I don't think it really talked a whole lot. They probably would have said something if it did since they brought it up. But him tying himself to the tree probably saved his ass. That's what I think. I think that was probably the smartest movie made. Yeah. That would be terrifying. I picture myself up there and... 
Just hoping that something would light to keep them the fuck away. Yeah, I know. That's creepy. Yeah, I would. Dude, I don't even want to think about it because it, it does. It scares the shit out of you. When when he's talking about them climbing the tree, boosting one another up, I was just looking down there like, hell no. Dude, it would, it, it would be it would be scary. Can't it would be terrible. <laughs> It'd be terrible. I might not get y'all, but I'll get a couple on the way I'm, I'm gonna try my damnedest. <laughs> you know, uh, I, little did you know, he probably should have shot the humanoids, put them down. Yeah. Hell, it may have, it may have pissed off the robots though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it might have been. It might have went a lot farther south than what he would have. Yeah. Thought, he he probably it played would. it the best the way he did. Most likely. But we're going to wrap that up. That was the uh, robot, the Cisco Thong Song encounter. Yeah. I mean, robot alien encounter. Love it. Check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, come over and hang out with us. Until next time, stay safe, stay weird, and if you're ever hunting and you get attacked by robot alien invaders, be sure to tie yourself off to the tree. And hopefully you have a gun and not a bow and arrow.